Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is David Kinnickson. He is a 48-year hairstylist. He's an author of the book, The Haircutter's Handbook. He is um, he has specialized in cutting his entire career. He's in a departmentalized uh, salon, cutting hair only. And he's a speaker and also has 46 years of experience in personal development. So you can only imagine how interesting this conversation is going to be. <laughs> Uh, welcome, David. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I'm honored to be here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Elaine. Absolutely. My pleasure. So I found out about you on Clubhouse. Um, I've dabbled in Clubhouse and some of our mutual friends were hosting rooms and your picture kept coming, popping up right next to mine in almost every room that we were in. I'm like, I need to know this guy. And then I talked to Philip and Mary who also knew about you and knew you personally. And I was like, oh, I really wish I would have met him prior to revival because I would absolutely have had you as one of our presenters. Um, anyone who I talked to about you, there wasn't a single negative thing to say, which is amazing in our industry wow. being, being 48 years, you, you might've pissed someone off, but they're not telling me about it. So <laughs> that's, that's amazing. You know, maybe I made amends. <laughs> yeah, maybe, or maybe you're just a class act that has stood the test of time because you and I both know I'm 35 Thank years, you. you're 48. You can't get to where we are without having passion, purpose, and integrity for sure. Um, I love that you're a dry hair cutter. I love getting a dry haircut in my, my area that I live in now. I moved to Florida three years ago. There is one person who cuts dry. Uh, he was trained um, by, uh, why am I going blank for the New York? John Sahag. John Sahag. So you probably know him. Um, Alvi. Alvi. He has Velvet Salon here in Florida. Yeah. I was so grateful when I heard that he was here because I, I've owned a hair salon for 33 years and I would pay to go elsewhere to get a haircut, to get a dry cut. And right. I would beg my girls that worked in the salon, somebody please learn this technique. And I would have another Sahag trained um, cutter who cut my hair in Philadelphia. I would have him come multiple times to teach classes and they just were not embracing it. They, they just wanted to go back to the tried and true that they've always known, but the hair does its thing on its own and requires so much less styling. I wish more stylists understood the value of a dry cut, because when you think about hair in its wet state, you know, especially curly hair, this could be up here, this could be down here. It does all different things. But when you see it in the dry state, that's where it's going to land. That's what it's going to do. So how did you have the foresight to get into that all those years ago when nobody even knew what it was? Well, you know, it's funny, you, you talk about a lot of things and all of them are true about dry haircutting and then there's more. Um, actually, back in 1976, when I was an apprentice at Sassoon, I introduced the concept, the notion of dry haircutting at Sassoon. You can only imagine in the, in the uh, church of 
uh, precision, wet precision haircutting that didn't go over very, very well. And, um, and for me, I'm actually not a dry haircutter, nor am I a precision haircutter. I actually uh, employ both methods and I teach both. I actually teach secrets of wet and dry haircutting because there are benefits to both. Mm, and um, while I was a contemporary of John's, when he and I would talk about haircutting, one of the things we did disagree on was the value of wet uh, haircutting. I take the word precision out because precision means something specific. But when we look at wet hair, there are some features and benefits we get from wet hair that you don't get from dry hair. For instance, with wet hair, you can see the growth patterns more easily. You can see the planes of the head and where the hair falls in relationship to the 10 primary planes of the head. And, but you can't see swing. You can't see curl pattern. Or you can see curl pattern, but it's you see it one way and you see it another way dry. So um, with dry hair cutting, when hair is dry, you can see movement. There's no movement with wet hair cutting until it's dry. So when I introduced the idea many, many years ago, and it's really evolved, obviously, in, in the 48 years that I've been practicing hair cutting and developing techniques and teaching, um, it begins with uh, noticing growth patterns and planes of the head, seeing where the hair falls, which is more easily uh, able to be seen when it's wet, and then making a choice. Do I want to cut precision? Do I want to cut a sketch cut, an outline in, to just give me a frame of reference? Do I want to cut the approach the hair, whole haircut dry? And the, what I like to teach hairdressers is that haircutting is a series of choices, one after the next. The better the information, the better our cutting choices can be. And so I think that rather than follow a dogma, precision cutting, in precision cutting, in that dogma, there is no dry hair cutting. And in dry hair cutting, there is no wet hair cutting. And so I think it, it, it's, uh, it's incumbent upon the hairdresser to have a large repertoire of techniques in both, including the tools that, they, that, that we use. So for me, it's, it's wet and dry hair cutting because there are benefits to both. Uh, if I may, back in the day, you know, there was like one way to cut a bob. So many years later, there's more than one way to bake a cake. And we all have the same ingredients. We all have flour, we have eggs, we have water, milk, sugar, chocolate, vanilla. But one haircut, one cake made by one chef will come out remarkably different than a cake made by me, who's not a baker, but we all have the same ingredients. So what are the choices that we are making? What's the little pinch of something that we're doing that makes one haircut or one haircutter stand out from another? So I like to see it as, as a, a more inclusive uh, approach, including the tools that we use. You know, back in the day, I never would have used a razor, but I use a razor from time to time because there's an effect I want to get that a razor will just give you that effect. 
And it's our ability to make those choices, I think, that uh, has one haircut or one haircutter stand out from another. So from what you just said, the first thing that popped into my mind is thank the Lord for departmentalization, because when you were talking about 10 planes of the head and this and that, I think, wow, I'm really out of touch that I've been coloring only for 18 years that I'm not even thinking about that when I'm cutting hair. And imagine that, you know, the stereotypical hairdresser is we just gossip all day, chew gum and talk to our friends and play with hair. You know, if they could hear you now talking about, you know, the wave patterns, the, the planes of the head, the shape of the head, um, not to mention the shape of the face and the, the features and all of that. There's so much more that goes into what we do. And I think you and I have talked about this before that yes. the, the absolute crime of what's going on right now in our industry is that people are skipping over the apprenticeship uh, assistant mentorship stage of their career. And just in talking to you for five minutes, I can only imagine what I've missed not being a student of yours and cutting, you know, because you are taking the time to explain the difference between dry and wet. And you were from Vidal Sassoon's world. I mean, he's the biggest icon in our industry. And I love, I just went on I was Googling right before we got on to make sure I got all the proper things to introduce you. Um, and I saw that you are, you know, a, um, uh, an artist who has done magazine covers and the difference between doing magazine work and doing editorial hair, hair salon magazine work. And there's a huge difference. So there's so many layers and levels to your expertise. And what stood out to me when I looked up your book was in your bio, where you buy your book, it says the most famous hairdresser you've never heard of. That's how I felt when I heard of you. I said, I have been seeking out every guru and every expert imaginable in my 35 years, but because I was so color focused, I missed out on you and your fabulousness. I did do the five-day course at Vidasa soon, and I will say it was a oh. really important piece in my career. But what you said about the razor, the razor is the reason I'm a color specialist now. <laughs> a razor and I should never be in the same room together <laughs> because I did what a lot of people do. I took a class. I watched somebody effortlessly razoring someone who's very known for their razor cutting and a special razor. And I get home and I just go hacking into the hair and I didn't have the proper yeah. preparation on the head and it was the wrong texture of hair to use it on, which I learned the hard way. So when I look back at razor cutting, it stands out to me the exact clients that I lost by trying to razor cut because I wasn't properly trained. So what you're doing and what you're providing for people is everything. And if only the brand new generation could find you soon in their career before hacking at people's hair and losing clients like I did. Well, you know, um, there's so much in what you said. Uh, the biggest thing is fear. Um, the fear associated with haircutting is very different than, for instance, the fear associated with color. And I'm really honored to be on a, uh, on a podcast that's devoted particularly to color uh, because being departmentalized, the relationship between the cutter and the colorist back when we were departmentalized, I don't know more. The industry is in a big change right now. So many things. Um, for the better, for the worse remains to be seen. But we've always changed at different times. But the fear associated with cutting hair 
is very different. And just to bullet point it, uh, we, we're afraid that we'll cut too much. And what if she doesn't like it? I can't put it back. And I've taught enough classes to, and I've spoken to enough hairdressers to know that that's the, the biggest fear. What if I cut too much and I can't put it back? Which I don't mean to minimize anything about colorists, but for the sake of the example, the fear associated with color is very different. If you don't hit your desired level, the answer is bring her back to the basin and we can do any one of a number, you can do something else. Yes, you can throw, you can throw a toner on, a glaze. Uh, and I use the word throw because I hear colorists say that. You know, you can apply a, a, a glaze or a toner. You can lift it again. You can explain to a client that uh, it has to happen in stages. It's a very different dynamic with cutting and color. So over the last many years, a lot of people have gravitated towards color more so than cutting. And that's one of the reasons why my passion is mentoring hairdressers to overcome the challenges and fears they have associated with haircutting. Because you can watch videos, you can take classes, and you can even gain a lot of knowledge. But that doesn't necessarily interrupt the dynamic known as fear. It doesn't necessarily make you more able to overcome the fear. Knowledge doesn't necessarily make you more able to overcome fear. It just makes you a smarter coward. Mm, and I love that. And, and people are still run by that. So what you've seen is a lot of dumbing down of haircutting to make it as simple as possible. Yes. But when, and, and today more than ever, uh, people are taught on mannequins in Zoom. I've never done a class ever where the demo was done on a mannequin or the hands-on was done on a mannequin. It's always been on live models because no matter how many times you repeat a particular technique and get it right on a mannequin, the instant the hairline is different, the instant the growth patterns are different, the instant the head shape is different, the instant one side of the head has more hair than the other, um, or she says, can you just leave it a little bit longer? Can you modify it? Can you? All of a sudden now, you're not necessarily, it depends on the teacher, but you're not necessarily uh, uh, been empowered with the ability to make those kinds of choices. So I think that it's a, it, it really, I wanted to start off by in what you said, addressing the fear um, that hair, hair cutters have. The second thing I want to address is this business about uh, so many people have come to know me and meet me like I have others in the year and a half that we've been uh, in front of our cameras rather than traveling all over the place. And as an independent educator who's never had manufacturer support, meaning a manufacturer never put me on stage to sell their product or to say what they wanted me to say about haircutting or such. I've always I've done the whole education route as an independent educator. So many people don't know me because I didn't get that exposure when many of my peers uh, were, were getting on the main stage uh, for Redkin or uh, Matrix and, and the like. Um, when I wrote my book in 1986, many of the things that are in the book uh, were very new. And today they've been incorporated into the fabric of what we do. So, but, uh, but 
being in lockdown and being on social media has really been very beneficial to me for two things. It's exposed me to a lot of younger hairdressers who might not have known who I am because I'm not an influencer in the modern sense of the word. Um, I'm an analog influencer, as it were. And from a personal standpoint, I've gotten to meet so many hairdressers that have known about me, but and I've known about them, but we've never crossed each other's path. So um, I think it was Donna Hogue who said, you're not really the most famous hairdresser nobody's heard of anymore because everybody's heard of you since, since COVID, which I'm really grateful to uh, and grateful for. Yeah, so, um, so when I wrote the book many years ago, uh, I, I did a couple of things that were new at the time, which was I standardized the language of haircutting uh, because there wasn't a standard language for it. I created the theory of it so that it was widely accessible to people. And I provided two training programs, one a curriculum that if you didn't go through an apprentice program, you could, um, you could take my material and figure out how to create a custom program for yourself, along with the original apprentice manual that I wrote for Vidal Sassoon back in the 70s when I was at, at Sassoon in New York. I wrote the original apprentice manual. So that was the, the uh, first three sections of the book 33, 34 years ago. And now it's in its sixth, pr uh, sixth printing, its third revised edition. And it's reaching a whole new level of younger hairdressers who maybe aren't inclined to be an apprentice. They want to be in business for themselves. And I think much like, as I said, our industry is in the middle of, a, of an upheaval. It's in the middle of an evolution or a change. For some, it's, it's intolerable. And for some, they're, they're really for it. They're, they're excited about it. Um, what I call it is a paradigm shift. And we've seen paradigm shifts. When Videl Sassoon came on the scene, that began a paradigm shift. And we, we shifted from beauticians to specialists, haircutting and color. And then, you know, stylists. And over time, we have lots of specialists, you know, chemical specialists, extension specialists, et cetera. But that was a paradigm shift. We had a paradigm shift in our industry when um, unfortunately it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a, a good thing that happened, but when AIDS kicked in and it affected our industry, a paradigm shift occurred. What it meant to be a hairdresser and the activities in a salon, people were getting healthy and people were doing different, uh, they had different interests and concerns that they didn't have before. And um, we had a paradigm shift. There may have been others, but we're in the middle of one right now. And it's being driven primarily by young hairdressers who want something that the old paradigm didn't provide for them. I don't agree with a lot of the things that they want or a lot of the things that they're doing per se, but I agree with the shift that needs to occur because we've been operating in the salon, particularly in, a in an antiquated model. 
commission structures are antiquated, 50%, 60%, against the margin that hair salons make, it doesn't work. That, that model was created when we ran hair salons like a pizza place and we collected cash and the way we paid people was cash and, and signed over checks uh, from, the, from the clients and, and checks from, from the, the employer. Uh, so you got three different kinds of things, you know, payments in your envelope. And, and a structure that didn't work. So there's many, many things that are not working for our industry. And we've been saying that for years. And so we've yet to see how it's going to turn out. We don't know what the salon, the new salon is gonna look like, you know? And you've got people like Leon, you know, talking about what the new salon will look like. And he's speculating or prophesizing as he's apt to do. and he's so well informed and such a thinker. So we've yet to see what young people are gonna create and what some of the more experienced hairdressers are gonna align on and what will emerge. And it's very exciting, even though it may be uncomfortable for many of us. Very true. And, and for me, in my career, this has been the biggest shake. You know, I, I did see um, little tiny changes along the way, but right now it's kind of, it, it, it's almost like mayhem, like anything goes, there's, there's so much confusion where people are saying that they're booth rental, but they're really commissioned doing 1099s. Like there's a lot of gray areas and a lot of, um, confused owners trying to just pay the bills basically. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as well to see where it all shakes yeah. out. Um, but I'm grateful to be on the education end now and no longer being that salon owner, because to your point, the commission model is just exhausting trying to stay afloat because Me too. you know, people want more money, more money, more money. And it's like, there's, there's no money left. The overhead is, you know, supplies have gotten, I mean, I see all these things floating around on social media. The price of gloves is like tripled foil has tripled. Um, hair color is through the roof. So everybody's, I think, trying to make up for the last year and a half of, of the world being upside down and it's, it's affecting everyone. Um, but I love, I love that um, you have so much collective experience and you've been in the industry long enough to see, it's almost like fashion. I remember I would be cleaning out my closet and my mom would say, don't get rid of it. It's going to come back. And I'm like, no way this is coming back. And now I'm like, damn, I wish I saved those pants or that skirt or, you know, whatever the fashion was, because when you've been around as long as you and I, the same thing happens with hair. You know, you never think that something's going to come back until it's back. And, and there's always like a little bit of a, of a tweak. Like right now, the big thing is curtain bang. So I'm sure Sassoon was maybe either a more blunt fringe or a side sweat bang. And now it's the center of curtain bang. But, but so was, what was it, Bridget Bardot that had curtain bangs back in the day? So it's always coming from somewhere. It's always good to know your, the source. Yeah. Which I think it's important to know your history, as Bob Marley said. Yeah. So, so writing a book is no small task. Um, this is, this is my, well, I always do the opposite here. This is my book, A Colorful Journey. And that was my, basically my brain dump of all things color during a snowstorm. I'm like, nice. I've, I've answered the same question so many times. Obviously it's a big question. So let me just put it on paper and make it available to people. So not only do you have your, your best-selling hair cutters, 
um, book that's been around and is, is in its, you know, different revisions and, and being rebirthed all the time, but you have a new book coming out. Can we talk about that? Sure. It's called, um, what is your, what, um, a conversation for mindset in action, overcoming your challenges and fears. And, uh, I used the, um, lockdown in the same way you did. Um, obviously being a hairdresser, being an editorial hairdresser, being a creative director for photo shoots, uh, an educator, taking clients in the salon, it occupies a lot of your time. But like many of us, we had a lot more personal time during lockdown. And so having a 46 year background along with my hairdressing career in personal development, I wrote a book that I was long overdue for me to get to. I moved it up on the priority list and literally, I actually wrote three books during lockdown wow. and the one that you, and they'll, they'll be out uh, sometime next year. But the one that you're talking about, I really wanted to get to, it's not a book about haircutting or hairdressing. It can be used by haircutters. It's what I teach when I do one of my think and learns, um, which is very different than a look and learn. And so uh, what is your what uh, began as a, an article that I wrote because today people are busy with this notion of what is your why? And um, as, a, as a person who's been in transformational studies and personal development and all of that, many of us have always frowned on why, because why gives you a reason. It gives you an explanation. It will describe something, very rudimentary description. But immediately after you know why you do something, you will ask another question and it will almost always be what? What are my goals? What are my challenges? What are the actions I need to take? What do I need to delegate? What is my purpose? What is my vision? And so I wrote a book on, basically it's on the power of asking what? So it explores mindset, mindset in action, um, because a lot of these phrases have been co-opted. We started off by you saying you met me on Clubhouse. And my God, on Clubhouse, I have never seen so many experts in mindset and so many coaches and so many life coaches. And I don't know them. And maybe they are incredibly qualified. I don't know that. But most of what I hear is just scratching the surface of, of what uh, is possible through understanding what mindset really is. Um, it's not positive thinking. And it's not, um, you know, when, for instance, like when somebody says, oh, you know, Elaine, I'm really going through it right now. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sad. I just had a breakup and it's not going great at work. And somebody says, you know, girl, you need to change your mindset. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's true. Maybe something else is in order. Maybe you should allow yourself to be sad. Maybe mm. you should let yourself experience the sadness and find out what's on the other side of the sadness. So I explore 
different aspects of, of the brain. And um, I share a lot of anecdotes in my life because sometimes when you're in our position, when you stand on stage, when you're on a platform, when, you're, when you have the floor, uh, it seems as if the things just come easy to you. And I am a very challenged individual. Whatever it is I've accomplished in my life, it took a lot of work. And I had to overcome a lot of challenges, uh, speech impediments, I'm a stutterer, um, stage fright. It, people have no idea that I have stage fright because I don't let it stop me. Um, uh, uh, this is a killer when people, I have at my heart, I have a very low self-esteem of, my, of myself. I have low esteem of myself. And it takes something for me to generate confidence and the courage to do things in the face of fear. Hmm. So I wrote a book called What Is Your What? It's I'm working with my editor on the final you know, little touches of, of the last draft. I'm, my, I'm looking forward to be out by the holidays this year for Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, uh, and any other holidays that are important to people. And, um, and so I'm excited about that. The other two books, I don't want to confuse it. They'll come out next year sometime, uh, but I appreciate you, you asking me about it. I'm very excited about it and very proud of this book. So are you at a point now where you're ready to hit the road again? Are you doing in-person education yet? How can mm -hmm. people find out more about you and, and get a class with you? Yes, I am on the road. I've been on the road uh, three times so far this, this year, once to the other side of Florida, uh, which was a road trip. Uh, I went to uh, Coral Gable. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I, I, not Coral Gables. Uh, I can't remember, but it's the other side of the, the, the other coast. Um, and I've been to Fort Worth, Texas, and I've been to uh, Brea, Orange County, and Los Angeles, California. And I'm very excited about that. If people would like to get a hold of me, it's easy. Uh, I am available, very accessible, at David Kinnickson, K-I-N-I-G-S-O-N. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and that's how people can DM me. Um, I don't mind giving my phone number out. People can text me. I give it out in my classes. So if you want, I'll give it to you. It's uh, Yes, he is very responsive. He, he answered me right away, which I, I appreciate. I love to. Uh, it's 561-629-1926. Uh, People can get a hold of me. Uh, my book, The Haircutter's Handbook, is available at Amazon.com, or people can get it from me directly, and I will sign it for them. And the uh, new book will also be available at Amazon or through me. And uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I was supposed to go to another class in New York, but the host salon had a, a very dramatic problem happen. They had a, a car drive through their window so I just received a text before our interview to reschedule for uh, early next year. So I'm excited to get on the road and I look forward to being in a salon in your community near you. That's awesome. Well, put me down for a signed copy of the new book. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to you read got it for sure. You got it. You are such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking this time. I hope that people listening got inspired and, and are looking at their 
time behind the chair in a different way. And, and I love, love, love what you said about, you know, the fear, the fear is always there. It's, it's what you do with it and how you fight through it um, to get to the other side that really matters. Right. So I love, I love that. That's my favorite nugget. So reach out to David, check out both of his books and um, definitely, I, I definitely want to take a class with you. I think it's going to be a whole, a whole different level of cutting. You, you might actually I can't to wait. How to use a razor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to, to doing a class with you hopefully more more than a class i hope you and i can collaborate on some cut and color I, that I would agree. be fabulous i'd love that, that. Needs to happen I, believe me the whole time you're talking my wheels are spinning we're going to talk as soon as we end this this podcast so look, look uh, may i say guys. one more look for a collaboration <laughs> go ahead david may i say one more thing um, a lot of colorists that i've worked with because i have been departmentalized and when they understand my approach to the head shape and growth patterns they've they've uh uh employed that they've utilized that in their color application and it's changed the perspective that they have for application of color which i'm i'm really touched by because that was never really my intention right. and it was a byproduct that really rocks my world that that colorists can be uh, moved by the work that i've, I've created for hair cutters that's awesome so, See, now, thank now you I'm elaine more intrigued i need to know what that is <laughs> thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you on the next one thank you for listening to the ask the color expert podcast Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.